We learned in this episode that loneliness looks different for everyone, but it's something we all experience. Listen as we explore what loneliness looks like, both in active addiction and in recovery. We dig into why we feel lonely, even when we aren't alone, how being alone differs from solitude, and how important it is to be authentic, even if you want to stop feeling lonely. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Julie and Steve. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. Don't forget, there's all kinds of bonus information in the show notes. We share bios of our guests, links so you can get in touch with them, and links for other resources we think you'll find helpful. You can find the full show notes for each episode at our website, throughtheglassrecovery.com. All right. So we are here today with Scott, Rachel, and Corinne. It is so nice to see all of you and have this opportunity to chat really excited about today. So as always, we're going to start with introductions. We're going to start with Scott. How are you today? I am great, Julie. Uh, Thank you and Steve for having me on here. Very excited. Uh, I am eight months sober as of two days ago. Awesome. Awesome. The uh, best streak I've ever put together. And uh, it's, it's one that hopefully will not quit. So thanks. Yeah, really cool. So tell us, you are the Sober Heathen. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Yeah, I'm Sober Heathen. Uh, I have a podcast. That's what I do right now. Uh, I am on all social media at that same name. You can find me anywhere. Uh, The podcast has been great. People from all over the U.S. and and even uh, the world now, London, Ireland. Um, It's been a really cool experience. So yeah, anybody that want to check it out, I'd be much appreciated. Right on. Absolutely. And I will make sure that I include all of your links in the show notes so people can find you everywhere that you are. And next we will go with Rachel. Hi, everybody. I am Rachel. I'm a person in long-term recovery. I'm really excited to share that I think I'm about a month and a half shy of six years. All right. So, yeah, it's cool. This is like for real, like the real deal. Like I can get 90 days, I can get two weeks, but I usually don't get, you know, I think I even had six months once. I might've had like a year and a half with a lot of cheating in there. But this one is like six years of like real deal, working a program, being honest, like doing all the steps and and helping others. So I'm really, really proud of that. Cause Lord knows, I'm sure we all share. I can get three days. Three days felt like six years. And now I'm like, (laughs) I'm looking behind and like, oh my gosh, dude, three days felt like six years. And now six years feels like two weeks ago. Like, (laughs) it's wild. But I love recovery. I have been, I created a new page. It's called Addicts with Purpose. And I created that page almost this time last year as I, was in this little weird bit of depression and I don't recommend this when you're depressed don't just say up and move and leave your whole entire life behind you but that's what I did because depression told me everybody hated me which wasn't true 
but it's been the most beautiful experience. And that's where I created this page was to document my life. When I moved from Utah, I moved across the country all on a whim of faith, like uprooting my kids. And I'm like, Let, we're just going. And we went to New York and then we ended up in Tennessee. And so that's what this page was originally created for, just to kind of document my journey, show motivation, addiction, awareness, stigma, you know, just anything to help the newcomer or help those in recovery. And it's been a really cool, it's grown really fast and been really fun. Really cool. Yeah, we we found Rachel through Facebook and I just love the content that you put out. It is so full yep. of hope and encouragement. So I love what you're doing and so grateful for all of you that are willing to put yourselves out there and, and try to help end that stigma and the shame that that so many people in recovery face. So thank you so much for for being so honest and vulnerable and, and making yourself available like that. We really appreciate you. Yeah. And last but not least is Corinne. Hi, everybody. I'm Corinne. Uh, I am 688 days sober. I'm just shy of my two years, so I'm I'm pretty stoked on that. And I'm a full-time CPA. I am an auditor. And I originally found my community with the I Am Sober app. So that's actually how I know Steve and Julie is from the I Am Sober app. And it's been extremely helpful for me in my sobriety. And uh, I'm in sunny Palm Springs, California. So I think I'm on the other side from most, most of you. It's already, I think it was 97 degrees when I looked outside. <laughs> so uh, yeah, just uh, enjoying Enjoying being sober, grateful waking up today without a hangover um, every day that I'm able to open my eyes on a Saturday and and, uh, and be able to realize that I'm not going to have to deal with the crippling anxiety and bodily effects of drinking the night before is a great day to me. Sure is. Absolutely. And Corinne is a very dear friend of ours, so it is an absolute honor to have you on the podcast finally. Thank you both. So for our topic... I'm pretty sure most of us have heard the acronym HALT in recovery, and it, of course, refers to asking yourself if you might be hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, especially if you're experiencing a craving. As time goes on, it gets easier and easier to deal with each of those, but I think for a lot of us, loneliness seems to be the one that holds on, that can stay hard to deal with for a really long time. Our lives change when we get sober, and the ways we used to combat loneliness, if we ever felt it, have changed. So what role has loneliness played in your recovery, and what ways have you found to overcome that? Uh, halt was a big thing in treatment, absolutely. That's something that we talked about quite a bit. And uh, so when I got the the question, I, I sat and I, I thought about it. I was like, you know, I'm not lonely. Uh, you know, uh, the definition is is uh, sadness because one has no friends or company. And I have friends and I have company. I have good people in my life. But I can tell you this, something that I've been really working on, and it's a different, it's it's loneliness in itself. It's, uh, putting it bluntly, I guess it could be uh, mommy and daddy issues. Uh, I was raised by my great-grandmother. Um, and, you know, up until uh, last summer, I was working my ass off. It's hard to get my mom sober as I was for myself, which is probably why it didn't stick for me up until eight months ago. So, you know, the, there's a loneliness of not having that connection. I mean, she was never there, um, but for whatever reason, I I wanted that connection, you know, uh, have that mom and dad, you know what I mean? So 
as I as I meditated on it last night, I, I really started to see that I was extremely lonely growing up because I didn't have that parental figure to talk to and ask those questions. You know, the uh, great grandmother, she did the best she could, but it was always, well, just don't think about it. Just don't think about this. So I quit going there because it, I was just trying not to think about it. And you know what helped me not think about it? A lot? Alcohol. Oh, yeah. Good guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that really helped not think about things. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, so for me, the loneliness was the lack of 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 that, you know, that adult, that that parental figure that that I could go to and 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 really uh, get that advice and and maybe that tough love even. How about it, Rachel? So loneliness played a huge part, more so in my active addiction because I was lonely. And, and the drugs and the alcohol became my best friend. And I mean, there was, there was isolating, there was this, all these bad people. And like, you feel so alone when we were with a bunch of shit bags who are always like robbing you and stealing from you and everybody's sleeping with each other. And it's like, wait, we're not supposed to do that. You know, so like, I always felt so alone, but really it all like after years of treatment and work, it was because. I always felt alone because I didn't love what was, I didn't love myself and I hated the person I saw in the mirror and I wasn't comfortable in my own skin and I hated everybody else around me, but I kept surrounding myself with all these other people who were also really freaking miserable. When I found recovery, they, they have that term, you know, we're going to love you until you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And people wouldn't allow me to be lonely. I'm like, leave me alone. I'm trading myself here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, let me stick my shirt. My shirt stinks. Don't you know what I've done? Like, who is that for? Screw you. And, and I started to learn very quickly, like, you don't have to be alone. And there's a difference, you know, between being lonely and alone. And, and I learned, like, I don't have to look. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. And loneliness was lack of love. And that's where my whole message now is like to spread love is because that's where for me, my ultimate loneliness was I hated everything just about me. I mean, it's nice to have friends, but you got to have good friends like to fill that void. Bad friends don't make you feel any better. But it played a huge part in both in both ways, I guess I could say. I think that was something I didn't realize until I got sober was you can feel very lonely and not be alone. So I have spent a good portion of my life surrounded by people, but those people never really filled that void. So I didn't understand that the whole time I was drinking, the whole time I was in active addiction, I was very lonely. And I don't know that I could have identified that or called it that because I was always surrounded with people. Well, of course, you know, if I, if I have people here, I'm not, I'm not alone. So I shouldn't be lonely. And I was drinking away those feelings, not even understanding what they were. And so when I got sober and I started making real connections with people on a real authentic, vulnerable, meaningful level, then it became glaringly obvious how empty those relationships were you know, the previous relationships and how lonely I really was. And I think that's a really important thing to understand. I think that a lot of people who are probably in active addiction or who are just in the very beginning of recovery 
might not even recognize that they are lonely if they're surrounded by people. Um, you know, I can be at home surrounded by my whole family and still feel very lonely. You have, I like, I'm, I'm listening to you talk and I got a couple of pictures in my head. One of them is, is that feeling of being alone, even though you have people around you that tell you that they love you. You know, I felt that. I felt alone in that environment. And then there's the, like, can you picture yourself going to a party? There's a room full of people, 20, 30 people, right? I know from my own experience, I've walked into parties like that and I've been sitting all by myself. There is a full of people. I, I should not, I am not alone, but it is very lonely inside of that. That is something I need to own. I am not putting myself in a place to be seen. I am expecting other people to see me. I need to be, I need to own that part. Like I, there's been a lot of times where I've just sat there quietly and I haven't made the effort to be seen, to, to, to break that loneliness. But that requires me to be authentic. That requires me to show up. That requires me to, to do a do and, and risk rejection and risk a whole bunch of things to not feel alone, not feel lonely. And I, I think that's one of the hardest parts is, is when I'm in active, active addiction, I'm not being authentic at all. So regardless of whether I do show up or not, I am literally forcing myself internally to be alone because I'm being fake somewhere else. Yeah. I just had like a whole swirl of thoughts go through my head. I'm going to try to put into words really quick. So I think for me, if I went somewhere where there was a big group of people and I felt really alone, I would internalize that as there is something wrong with, with me, me that mm -hmm. is making me feel this way. And then that would turn into that whole shame cycle of what's wrong with me. I am flawed. These people don't like me, all of that stuff. And I've come to realize that a lot of times the other people there aren't capable of that level of connection. So that actually takes me back to what Scott was talking about with parents and with your great grandmother, where sometimes even if you are putting yourself out there, even if you are being authentic and you are being vulnerable, there are people that just aren't going to be able to give you that kind of connection that will make you feel less lonely. That is a new thing that I'm just understanding that it's not always me. Right. I can be reaching out trying to get connection like you were saying Scott you know asking your your great grandma and then and she would kind of blow you off and tell you not to think about it there have been so many people in my life that have even when I have really tried to do that vulnerable thing that just aren't capable of meeting me there and that's not necessarily because there's something wrong with me it's just that not everybody is capable or not everybody wants the kind of connection that I need to feel less alone or less lonely. And that brings, Julie, what you're saying, I'm going to piggyback off of that, is that one of the things that I heard um, actually marital therapy that really helped me kind of change my mind frame was that I'm not asking for too much. I'm just asking the wrong person. 
So for me in sobriety, I've had to really learn that there are certain people in my life, again, like friends and family that will tell me, you know, they love me, they're there for me, whatever I need. But depending on what I'm going through, I had to learn myself and sit back and think, okay, for this circumstance, who who could I reach out to right now that I will feel heard, that I will feel seen, that I will feel like they they can relate to me and give me the the type of support that I need because sometimes sometimes being distracted is great sometimes I just want somebody to send me cat memes and tell me silly stuff you know and and help me get out of my mucky muck of you know being so serious about something but then also sometimes too I need someone who like Steve that I can I can I can ugly cry with and I can really say like, hey, like this, this, you know, show, show him my bruises and go, hey, help me work through this, you know? So there's all kinds of different support. And I think for me, the biggest part was learning that it's okay to ask for what you need, but you have to sometimes figure out what it is you need first to know who, who the audience is to help you the best with that. So and again, going back to the original question of, of loneliness and sobriety, I mean, I was very lonely in my marriage and I was very lonely in active addiction. And I was in a very um, false, high-end, white-collar, lots-of-money industry all the time where you, you know, you show up and you're presentable and you, you put on the fake smile and you, sh you know, from the outside, it looks like you have your entire life together and in the inside, you're just for me it was not um it was not the fulfillment that my soul was craving so in sobriety i think the biggest thing that i learned you know in the beginning it was like well i'm strong i could do this i could do this on my own and the longer that i got through it like yes i could do it on my own i could white knuckle it but it was very lonely so learning the different ways to connect with different different communities and I think the biggest thing too is like you know I I've never been to AA but I completely understand the model of the sponsor having the sponsor having the person with the accountability and the person you check in with because I think sometimes when you're having those bad thoughts about yourself it's very easy to go well I just don't want to show anybody this part because it's you know it's ugly it's it's embarrassing but having the sponsor who's checking in with you, even if it's not, again, like with the AA model, it's it's built into that. But, you know, for me, it's been Steve for a long time. Steve, I call him my sober coach. And uh, <laughs> Steve literally checks in on me every single day. And some days it's just, you know, a hi, how are you? But then other days it's like, I, I got this big thing. Like, I really, I really need this. And I would not have reached out. The previous me would have just gone, okay, these things are unsightly. I'm just going to go into myself. I'm just going to disappear and hide away. But because of that, I think it's really important that um, finding a, even just a sober buddy, some type of accountability. And it, I think it'll change over time. And realizing that too, in the very beginning of sobriety, it's just, it just don't drink. Literally do anything but drink. Like, you know, for me, it's been gummy candy. I'm like mainlining jelly beans, like whatever it is. <laughs> Just don't drink, you know? And then I think over time, you know, you get to a point where you need to have different nourishment and different different healing tools. And it's important to uh, to look into that, see what you need. It's interesting that like the whole theme, everyone ta everyone's saying the same thing a, a little bit differently. And I hear like loneliness is a lack of emotional reciprocal connection whether it's with someone else or even with yourself 
I think that goes both ways because you can, one's isolation and the other one is just, I'm alone and I'm okay because I'm emotionally healthy and I have that part going for me. I might need that solitude. Boom. That's where, that's, that's the word I was looking for. There's healing in both of those. The opposite is healing. And then when we get into recovery, we get into a whole bunch of people that are doing the same thing. They're healing. And we get to share that healing with each other. It takes vulnerability, I think, for me anyways, to not feel alone. I have to show myself and allow me to be seen and without wearing the mask. And I know the mask shows up. It, I mean, it's going to. That's Life is going to make me put that on, even if it feels icky sometimes, and then I get to come back and reflect on it. When I do that, I, I, I literally abandon myself and that makes, that just puts me in that state of, of loneliness. I, I, I like literally do it to myself. But sometimes it's necessary though. Mm-hmm. Some, sometimes you need to do that to protect yourself from further damage. And yeah, you should be so accessible to people who have the potential to hurt you. This and is where boundaries we, come in. Yeah. And that's something I had to really learn too, is that don't don't let my need for connection or my or my loneliness um the same thing don't let it make me reach for a drink and don't let it make me open doors that i have intentionally closed mm-hmm. there are some you know you have the right to eliminate toxic people from your life even if they're family members mm-hmm. and i have to repeat that to myself constantly because there would be easy connection there would be easy people that i know would be accessible to me but it's it's like junk food. Like they're gonna they're gonna satisfy that initial need for I'm lonely now. I need somebody, but then in the long run, I'm gonna be kicking myself that I opened that door back up that I intentionally shut. I think uh, man, a lot of great stuff already, and we're only just a few minutes in. I think I think the uh, the loneliness with yourself is 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 huge. You know, um, I, I I grew up. Uh, the plan was baseball. It was I had a full ride. I had tried out for the White Sox and the Pirates. That was going to be it. And then I got to college and my anxiety kicked in and I made it. I left uh, halfway through the second day of orientation. And so I, I lost myself from there. And then I found coaching. And then, wow, that that filled the void. This is who I am now. you know. And then I got married and, and had kids. And the wife said, yeah, you can't coach anymore. You got to be around help with these kids. And so then I lost that part of me. And so what filled that void was was alcohol, you know, but there was still that that loneliness of like lack of identity. I was walking around in the shell and I had no idea who this person was supposed to be. And uh, so I think that's a that was yeah, that was a different kind of loneliness maybe that I wasn't able to put into perspective until uh, we just started talking here. Um, and I think the other thing that was great that needs to be repeated is that advice you got that that counseling. Uh, you're not asking too much, you're just asking the wrong person. I think that's phenomenal. I mean, you, you know, not everybody can give you what you need on, on every single topic. And, you know, that's, a, I agree. AA is great. Um, I've been through it and having a sponsor is great, but that sponsor isn't inhuman and able to, to handle everything. That's why I, I, I absolutely believe it needs to be a group effort. You know what I mean? And wow, just great stuff. <laughs> You're on mute, Rachel. I know. I'm like, ah, we're going to go. Um, so two things. So Steve, you had said one thing that I was like, oh my gosh, that's one of like the, just the key things in, um, in recovery. So I'm going to say that. And then I want to piggyback again off of what Corinne had said, 
you had said, I think something along the lines that made me say opposite of addiction is connection. Mm-hmm. But like learning who can handle what you need is like, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, like I sometimes have to like, I get in my little phases and I'll have to call like 10 different people and tell the same exact story until that one person is like, oh, okay. Oh, you're going to hear me, you know, because, and, and we have to learn exactly who to do that. But, you know, and I can't remember exactly what you had said before, Steve, but like the opposite of our whole, our whole everything is that connection. And when we're in that dark, deep phase of loneliness, we're so disconnected with, with who we are, with actual human people, you know, you don't even know where you're at anymore. And it just gets this ugly cycle going of, of like, just disconnect in general so like the connection alone is so important but finding that person who actually can like hear you and see you you know if you call somebody else who's in their own shithole like they're not (laughs) gonna be able to help you through that it's just gonna create more more trauma really so i just love i could go off on all of these different times i'm I'm a talker (laughs) for hours but I already love this. This is like good, good combo, you guys. Yeah, this is fun. I'm listening to you talk, and I think we say the opposite of addiction is connection, and I think connection is absolutely key because I think without connection, we're not going to get growth. And I really think the more and more I get into this, the opposite of addiction is growth, and connection is required for that to happen. Yes. So... I think it's really growth. I think it's, and and Scott said it too perfect. And I think it's growth. And I think there's that, that loneliness and the lack of identity and that growth is discovery is discovering that piece of identity, the piece that you lost, Scott, you talked about, you know, coaching and all of that stuff. And you, they all, that's what recovery is. This is like one big giant maze of figuring yourself out and figuring out life and, and how to do that. And, and not feel lonely anymore and find those people. And and it's, it is really a really amazingly wonderful thing. Really it is. And you're going to find, and I know I've found a lot of the wrong people to put the right information to. And all that does is leave me feel emptier and lonelier and rejected. And uh, a lot of the things, it's really uncomfortable until I find somebody that I can share my uncomfortable with. And when I do that, when I have a home for it, God, does it ever feel less lonely? That's, that, that is, for the longest time, I felt like, you know, I could be a burden to someone when I'm sharing my problem. But all that does, all I'm doing when I do that is I'm allowing someone to show me love. Yeah. And if I, if I don't do that and I close that door and I put up the wall and I leave it put up to everyone, I just put myself back in the same place I started. I'm going to jump off of that a little bit um, and kind of repeat what you said, actually. Something that I think a lot of people worry about is feeling like a burden. When they are in a place of loneliness, when they're in a place of struggle, they don't want to reach out because they don't want to dump all their junk on someone else. And the thing that helped me when I was feeling that way, someone asked me, how would you feel 
if I reached out to you because I was lonely and I was having a hard time? And I mean, the answer there is I would be absolutely honored if there was anything I could do to help that person or support that person or just show up and even, you know, listen and reflect and accept them and be a friend. I would be absolutely honored. And I think it's important that we remember that that's how other people are going to feel if we reach out to them, too. I don't know anybody who would be like, oh, my God, really? <laughs> Look, we all, especially people in recovery, just really want to be able to show up for other people because, God, we understand what that is like. And then the other thing that you just said about growth. So that made me realize that the people that I feel the least lonely with are the people who are on a similar growth plane as the one that I am on. Those are the people that I feel like I really have a connection with. And there are some people that just simply are not on that plane. And that's okay. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. That just means we are headed different directions. We are on different planes and that's okay. But it's also really important to be aware of that. I love that because I think growing together is like, that's real meaningful connection. Isn't there a Brene Brown quote for that? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there is. Yeah, God, now, now that you said that, I know there is because I've talked about it before. <laughs> we can't go one podcast without talking about Brene Brown, I don't think. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> one thing too, Julie, that kind of, I thought about that made me think of you. And I think it's something that you and I have in common, especially as being people pleasers. Something that I had to really realize too, Steve, with you talking about the difference between solitude and being alone or loneliness is that um, I wish I could tell my younger self this, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it. I think that for me, a lot of times I found a lot of identity yeah, with like people pleasing and event planning and doing these spending all this energy to put on parties and to do things that people really enjoyed. That would be a lot of work for me. And I was seeking this external validation and trying to prove myself and prove for love. And that is something that I realized just because I'm good at it doesn't mean I have to do it anymore. Doesn't mean I have to subscribe to that. I, I'm finding different ways to prove to myself that I'm worthy of love, that I'm worthy of attention, that I'm worthy to reach out to someone and say, hey, I need help and receive the help that I need. And for me, that was a really big turning point, I think, in realizing what I needed and what I was missing from myself. For, to give myself what I needed to grow was not just to distract people with, look what I can do. Look at all these things I can do. Look at, you know, again, being high performing, high excelling. You know, I love those accolades and that I was trying to find that validation. But really, I mean, it's good because it got me a lot of places in my life, but I also need to do certain things to nourish me at a spiritual and emotional level that has nothing to do with, with you know, what I can do for other people that, you know, makes it look good or look perfect. And I feel like, Julie, you know, a lot of times when we've talked, I remember the, uh, the bake sale that you sent us all a picture of what you ended up doing. I don't know if you want to share that story. I think it's wonderful, but, uh, but yeah, it's been important for me. That's funny. No, I, I did. I like my version of, of the bake sale treats that I made was like a, a kind of a cop out and everybody else was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. That was just me and my perfectionism and people pleasing. And 
everything and just accepting a little bit less. What you said there about people pleasing, I think it's really important that we all acknowledge that. And I, and I say we all as in all of us, our listeners, everybody in recovery, people pleasing will never make you feel less lonely. People pleasing is not going to cure loneliness ever. External validation. Yeah. No, 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 like people pleasing, like I, that could be its own podcast, right? Yep. <laughs> and and how how harmful it is because for years, I mean, even in recovery, like just as a good person who just wants to be kind and help the world, like people pleasing is my biggest default, which I'm working through and growing through because I always thought as long as I was doing stuff to help other people, I was going to feel good. And you're like doing just what they want and then they don't even appreciate it <laughs> or they you know you do this whole big thing to people please and they just walk right past it and don't even acknowledge it and it, it because and and then the whole new cycle starts to happen but i love that you touched just on that and i love that you touched on spiritual being spiritually fit because you know when you're lacking and whatever it is that keeps you spiritual like I have my own thing. Like I love God and Jesus and I know not everybody loves that. And I'm okay with that. Like, that's just what works for me. You know, I, I tried Buddhism. I tried all these other things, <laughs> you know, I, it didn't work, but getting spiritually and emotionally fit, you know, so I could be okay and sit in my feelings and know, like, it's just okay to not be okay. And, and I am worthy of of all of these wonderful things but i'm also like i'm entitled to have bad days and i can have bad days now sitting in a sitting in a bad funk for five months that's a whole like that's extreme yeah. but a two three day weekend stay in your bed gender you know like because you just want to not be okay that that's okay too but knowing you you kind of start to as you grow in your spirituality whatever that looks like i mean it could be yoga or or just your meditate, whatever it is, you start to learn your body and it starts to tell you like, these are the things that you need to help you fulfill those things so you don't go back to where you were. But that's like really getting in tune with who you are. And like, that's where recovery is. You know, that's where growth, like you said, Steve, the growth is. Because before, if I was lonely or people pleasing, it didn't work. I just ran and hit, you know, on a 25 day meth bender. And then I was like, what just happened? Why am I so miserable? Uh, yeah. <laughs> why did that happen again? Why do I keep doing this? Banging my head on the wall, not again. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But that's all I have on that one, on that little rant. <laughs> no, I think I, I I think connection is the opposite of addiction. You got to have that connected um, feeling or whatever. But I think part of the growth, like Steve was talking about, is being able to recognize when you're you're getting. You're doing things. You're not yourself to get those connections. Like I, I find myself constantly on social media. You know, um, ah, should I say this? Should I say this? I'm not saying anything offensive. Like I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not being like political or anything like that. That could. It's just my feelings on something. Like um, when I first started out on, on on doing the recovery stuff. You know, I I did everything I could not to say anything negative against AA because I respect it. I, I I love it myself, and I didn't want to turn those people off. But then I I found that. You know, I wasn't being true to myself. And so the connections that I was making was false because, you know, I was given the appearance that I'm I'm thinking this way. And I think that was a different kind of lonely. You know, you got all these people like liking this, uh, you know, and, uh, retweeting you because you said this thing, but it, it, it doesn't feel 
feel right because it wasn't authentic. It wasn't really who you were. So I think part of the growth is realizing that, uh, you know, to be yourself and, and finding those connections that work to take care of that loneliness for sure. Yeah. If you show up in a situation and you're not completely true to yourself and people like you and they, and, and you know, you're getting either, either just that, that affirmation or, or even having a great conversation with someone, it's not going to make you feel seen and heard and understood because it's not really you. And that can be really hard, but it, I mean, you can surround yourself with with people and really be trying to show up but but yeah if it's not the real you that's the, that those friendships or or that time spent with those people isn't going to feel it's not going to make you feel better it's not going to make you feel good about yourself it's just going to make you realize you're really good at acting or or being what other people want you to be and meeting other people's expectations which is not a soul-filling way to be right that's the difference between fitting in and belonging yeah. Trying, if you're trying to fit in, it is very lonely. When you belong, it is very fulfilling. Well, and Julie, to, to go off of something that you said, you know, with connecting with people that are in the growth pattern or in the growth trajectory, like I find that those those other people that are working on themselves, those connections can be very nourishing for me. You know, we have a friend um, that is a motorcycle person who works for a um, commercial airline company and he's an engineer. And I know that I could go to that person with almost anything and get a very nourishing response from him. Even though he's somebody that in a million years, if I saw him in a room, I would never walk up. To, we probably would never talk. <laughs> he's somebody that I found that I could connect with. And I think that's something about finding your sober community, finding other people that can relate to you. And again, I'm not knocking. I want for I bet I'm going to have family listening to this. I'm not knocking any of my family and friends that are trying authentically to be there for me. I really appreciate that. Just sometimes you need people who can meet you where you are and have been where you are to help reflect back to you more of what you need to hear in a specific way. So I think that's really good. Even if it is, you know, again, find your community, even if it's AA, if it's smart recovery, if it's people at your CrossFit gym, if it's, you know, uh, volunteering at a local animal shelter, if you can find people that you can connect with and give you meaning and give you purpose, I highly, highly encourage to reach out, especially in early sobriety and kind of find, find your tribe, find people that see you and hear you and can help you when you need it. And it's a lot about keeping a very open mind because like i mean i've told steve before had i walked into a party and seen steve there i wouldn't have ever thought we'd have anything in common turns out he's my very best friend but and i think that we just have to keep that that our minds open we're so used to looking for people who fit our lifestyle or whatever it is that we're doing that we have you know those different commonalities sometimes the people that are on the same growth tra trajectory are people we would never expect to spend our time with and and find the most meaningful connections with and i think that's that's something that a lot of us in recovery have been blessed to just figure out because we find ourselves thrown in communities of i mean alcohol is the great equalizer, right? So, I mean, we do, we have friends who are bikers and we have friends who are doctors and we have friends who are lawyers and and everybody. It, because in the end, that's the one thing that we all have in common uh, is recovery. 
And it doesn't matter where you're coming from or who you are or what your past is. We're all headed in the same direction. We're all sharing this path together. And I think that the loneliness goes away once you find the other people that are just on that same path. Yeah, I love that. I think I won't go on a tangent about that one because I could too. <laughs> I just love to like yabble, yabble, if that's even a word. But I um, I love one of my favorite things about recovery is just what you guys have just talked on is meeting all these different walks of life that like you walk into a room of whatever kind of recovery meeting it is and it it could be just a recovery event like a like a what do you call that thing that's in September and everybody gathers together um recovery month and there's like an event with a bunch of people and tables whatever it is and you see all these people who you may have prejudged in the past and you look at them and you're like they're all your best friends you know, like you said, like you've got your biker person, you got a doctor who you would have never felt comfortable talking to because like, why would they want to know me? And yeah. that becomes your best friend. And the person who was living literally in 10 cities for seven years that you, if they were on a subway, you would be like, get in a different car because the whole car stinks, <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? And, and they become, they become our people. Yeah. And our people, because you you understand them, you comprehend what they're saying. And it's like, holy crap, I might not have done the same things you did, but I did the same things you did. You know, like I didn't have to necessarily live in a homeless shelter for, I don't know, five years, but I did the exact same things you did, you know, and that's where my addiction led me. And that's what I love so much about recoveries. Like there's so many different walks of life mm -hmm. that, you get to put all those things behind you because I sit with some people that and I'm just like, we would have never been friends because I'm prejudging. And they're like the greatest things in the whole entire world. Yep. Now I look through people all tattooed and bearded up and whatever. And years ago, I would have been like, my kids are walking in the room. Y'all stay like, stay over there. We'll be over here. Yep. You know, and now I'm one of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's awesome. But, and I think those like, those are like key, huge factors of, cause I think a lot of people like they don't want to go and I don't do the rooms myself. Like I've, I've done all different types of program, but people are so afraid to walk into any type of a room, right? Whatever, whatever it, it could be smart recovery, rehab, IOP, you know, 12 steps, anything. Cause we're so afraid that the people in there are not going to like us. And mm -hmm. we're like, they're going to judge me. They're going to think I'm a shit bad. They're going to think I was terrible because I left my children. It's like, oh, you did too? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> oh, you do? Oh. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's, that I love. It's a whole room of me too. And it's also, yeah. I, I, I think I'm going to wrap it up here too. Yeah. Me too. Just kidding. Yeah. See, exactly. So like it's, it's a whole, it's a whole room of me too. We all realize that we're a reflection of each other in one way or another like Julie says, it's it's the great equalizer. We talked about, you know, halt. And today we've focused on the lonely part. And everyone had really awesome things to say. Spreading love allows others to be authentic and be themselves. And I think when when we show up and a lot of us here show up publicly and show that love, then you're giving someone else an opportunity to show up for themselves 
and allow themselves to be seen. And when we do that, I think some really beautiful things happen. And that takes away some of that loneliness. Corinne, you said, I'm not asking for too much. I'm just asking the wrong person. I think that is super key. Choosing our people. Choosing, I think is the key word there. Choosing our people, the people that that give us a safe environment to show up for ourselves. And then they we allow them to show up for us too. Loneliness, the lack of identity. We touched on a lot of like really, really cool things. And the opposite of addiction is connection and growth. And I think when we're talking about this, I think I have to say meaningful connection. Yeah. That's where the authenticity part comes in to that. And then we get that amazing reflection back and forth. And last but not least, you are only ever alone if you never let anyone in. Yeah. I want to say thank you, Scott. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Corinne, for your time and your thoughts today. Really appreciate you guys. You guys are all amazing. I look forward to connecting more. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much for being here, guys. Thanks Thanks for having us. Since we talked so much about community and connection in this episode, and we know how hard it can be to find those people that just get you and what you're going through, we want to remind you that we do host a small weekly meeting where lots of people just like you hang out to talk about life, share their stories, get advice, and just connect. We would love to have you join us. Visit our website at throughtheglassrecovery.com to get more information about our weekly get-togethers. And don't forget to subscribe, like, follow our podcast, so you don't miss next week's episode when we hang out with some guys and talk about how we deal with anger. We'll see you next week.